0: focus. I'm Mike Mittendorf, professor in Christ College. Uh, I was gone all last semester on sabbatical, so it's awesome to be back. Uh, So, uh, today we're gonna just do uh, small topics. The three main things the Bible teaches about humanity and our relationship with God, and so I did, since I didn't get to uh, do the theme verse with you, uh, I thought we could go back and review that memory from fall semester, right? Uh, awesome little verse which encapsulates with a nice metaphor analogy all three things the Bible teaches the three main things about humanity and our relationship with God Uh, let's read it all together at one time you were darkness but now you are light in the Lord walk as children of light Martin Luther King Jr. had the great quote darkness can never drive out darkness only light can do that Hate will never drive out hate, only love can do that. So, it's kind of like I was out too late and fell asleep on the beach in the darkness, and the sun just come up and shone upon me. Now you are light in the Lord. Paul writes this way in 2 Corinthians, For the God who said, let light shine out of darkness in creation has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, where? In the face of Jesus Christ. You are light in the Lord. Now you have two options. You can uh, walk into the kitchen in the middle of the night and flip on the light and the roaches go scurrying back into the darkness. Right after John 3.16, Jesus says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And some people exposed to the light, act like a roach, head back to the darkness. Or, God wants you to stay and bask in the warmth and the grace of his love to you in Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world. Jesus said... I'm the light of the world and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. So part three, walk as children of light. Let your light so shine before others that they might see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. That's basically the three main things the Bible teaches about humanity and our relationship with God. You can visualize it like this, lost in darkness, groping. Earlier in Ephesians 2, Paul expands a little more, dead in trespasses and sin, all of us by nature objects of wrath, gratifying the desires of the sinful nature, groping in darkness. But then light in the Lord, by grace you are saved through faith, not your own doing, gift of God, created in Christ Jesus. Part three, to do good works. And there they all are. Now the Bible teaches this all over, so let's spend the next nine hours in Romans, and, no, well, you don't have time. So the book after Romans is 1 Corinthians. If you wanna use the Pew Bible, page 955, it's wonderfully right at the top of the column there, at the beginning of page 955. And I just wanna to go to a couple other places in scripture where these three things are just laid out. You can use law, gospel response, like I like to are laid out in just a few verses to teach those same three things about humanity. Let's just read together 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Who are they? Well, Romans 3 verse 10, there is no one righteous, not even one. A thought St. Paul grabs from Psalm 14 and Psalm 53 and Ecclesiastes 720, there is not a righteous person on earth who does what is right and never sins. So under the law, who's gonna get the kingdom of God? Nobody. All have sinned and fallen short. Why? Jesus says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of God. The righteousness he requires is the righteousness his righteousness requires him to require, and none of us have it. But, verse 11, here's the good news of the gospel. Let's read that together. And such were some of you. There's his grace. All God, all grace, all gift. You were passive, and these things were given to you in the name of Jesus and by the Spirit. First, you were washed. Sin is like dirt. We all have our dirt. Do you want to keep your dirt, or do you want to be washed? The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God, and English is bad here because your translation was you were justified, but that's the same word as unrighteous, being righteous. God declares you righteous in the name of Jesus and by the power and work of his spirit. And then your translation said that you were sanctified, again, a big Bible word, which just means you're holied. Because I, the Lord your God, am holy, be holy. And the holiness he requires is the holiness his holiness requires him to require, and none of us have it. So he holies us. You are sanctified, holied, righteous, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. That's cool. Game over. No, don't stop there. Read verse 12. All things are lawful for me. There you go. So I can sin as much as I want and get away with it. Yep, where sin increases, grace increases all the more. The question isn't anymore what I can get away with. It's, yes, I can do whatever, but what is helpful for me in my life, in relationship with God, and for those wonderful people who get to live around me? And it's not, yeah, I could do, but wait, wait. The sun set you free, we sang earlier. You're free indeed. Why become re-enslaved to something else? Instead, use that freedom to serve one another in love. But always remember it's because of who you are in Christ that you're called to live for others and to live out that relationship with God. Go to verses 19 and 20. What an awesome reminder of the why. Let's read that together, 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body So it's kind of odd. I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon the cross. Well, yeah, okay, but the enormity of we probably don't fathom, but, but there it is. You're bought at a price. That's why we're called to honor God in how we live. Again, for the visual learners, the unrighteous are out. You're never going to work yourself to God and his kingdom. But again, you were passive and God gave to you, washed, declared righteous, holy in Christ and by his spirit. Therefore, yes, you can do whatever, but live in ways that are helpful to you and that are beneficial to the people around you, and watch out that in your freedom, you don't get snared again by darkness. Well, yeah, that's what the Old, New Testament teaches, but not the Old, well, okay, one more spot, we're going to look, and that is the most famous part of the Old Testament, which has this incredible misnomer, the Ten Commandments in the original hebrew and greek that phrase never appears never in the hebrew they're always called the ten ha the ten words if you know a little greek they're called the deka ten loga word ten words why is that well in the lutheran and roman catholic tradition we got two commandments about coveting one is not coveting the house and then not coveting the wife, oxen, donkey, sheep, and my wife always wonders why she's over there and the house uh, doesn't make too much sense. In Reformed tradition, you get one commandment about other gods and then you get uh, one about no graven images but the point of you will not make graven images and bow down and worship them as other gods. So where's the 10? Well, the Jewish tradition has kept the biblical rooting better, and also explains why there are 10 words. You can read, no, that's probably not, but that, that, there's my proof. Uh, go to the next slide, and if you just pull out a Bible to Exodus 20 and start reading, it doesn't say God spoke all these commandments saying, uh, page 61, and you see then what at Sinai even, the very first thing he says is, Let's just read two verses, Exodus twenty one and two. And God spoke all these words, saying, "I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt." Right? So it could be the Canaanite's God, the Amorite's God, the Gergeshite's God, the Jebusite's God, the Budlite's God, the Millerite's God, the Dekate Light. I'm, I'm your God. I am who you say I am. I am your God. You are my people. And then I saved you. So the 10 words sit in that same context of the same three things. Next. You were slaves in Egypt, Israel. You were there 430 years, and you're not getting yourself out. So the first word he wants them to hear at Mount Sinai is that I am Yahweh, your God, and I saved you, I redeemed you, I brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, all God, all grace, all gift, once again, even in the Old Testament. Then what follows are, according to Jesus well, then how do I act in loving ways toward that redeeming, saving God? And then how do I act in loving ways to those people who live around me in response to who we are as the people of God in the name of him who saved us? And the same thing holds for New Testament Christians. Jesus is going to grab this same language and say in John 8, everyone who sins is a slave to sin, and you're not getting yourself out. Part two, if the sun sets you free, we sang, you are free indeed. Part three, how are you gonna use that freedom? Saint Paul says, for freedom Christ set you free, do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Law, gospel, response. And we're right back where we started with our wonderful theme verse, they're all there, together once more, at one time you were darkness. Now you are light in the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, which at times shows the damnable depth of our darkness apart from you and your work for us in Christ. Yet we rejoice with the psalmist. The Lord Yahweh is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Empower us then by your Holy Spirit to live out that freedom in ways that honor you and bless those around us. In the name of the light of the world, Jesus our Savior, amen.